Amen. Thank you for the prayers and good morning, church, and welcome for those of you joining us in the room and those who will be joining us online. We are thankful for what God is doing at Northland for his kingdom. I want to start by just thanking God that by his grace, he's answered many, many prayers for a lead pastor and many other prayers that each one of you have been offering. But there's a specific one. I share it with you because of what we just sung about, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. And that faithfulness, each one of you can have some personal stories that can connect. But what has that personal story of the goodness and faithfulness of God been for the Davies family? Exactly um, 47 days ago, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And that just came right on the heels of all the changes and transitions. And we rapidly started to seek God, you know, and also prayers, prayers, thank you for your many prayers, and talk to surgeons, and um, we had a successful surgery, and it was all taken away, and then after that, we've had some tests, thank you. And that she will not need, at this time, any further treatment or care, but that, I share that with you, because the things we experienced during this time is the power of prayer, that we can strongly depend on God's people to prayer. Second, the wisdom that God gives in medicine. We've experienced that in many personal ways, that all truth is God's truth, and God gives wisdom to doctors and, and medicine, and we just thank him for that. But also the community of you folks, cards and calls and visits. So thank you. I wanted to, to share that with you so that we can continue to be a church that we depend on this word, but we can also stand strongly with God in prayer. So thank you on behalf. She's doing well and, and recovering. Also wanted to just thank the Lord for the great opportunity that I have to continue to be a pastor at Northland with a different emphasis. And what I'm called and passionate about, which is for every believer, is to be a pastor of discipleship. What that simply means, I want to be part of everybody's journey in bringing people to maturity in Christ. And when we say discipleship is learning to be more in the image of Christ, you know, so that we can learn and be confirmed to the person and the image of Christ. And so I want to see that done, whether it's in children, you heard from Pastor Rob in the announcement, whether it's students, whether it's adult classes, every DNA of us to be able to say, we are on one mission together to becoming people who are fully alive, with the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And I will continue to work with Matthew Shiles and his team in, um, in missions and just serve along with them, but also do the things that pastors do, you know? We love to do weddings, funerals, baptisms, and all of that. So that's my own changes and transitions that we continue to experience. But these are exciting days at, at Northland. And when God brought uh, Dr. Josh Laxton to us, and we started at Easter to talk about transitions. And if some of you remember, you may have had this card, you know, where passed out. Change is situational. So my family just gone through change, which is situational in different ways. Transition is psychological. Transitions are inevitable, but not predictable. When I read that, um, 
four weeks ago, I didn't know how that relates to me that is unpredictable. But we know that we've seen when we started this process that transitions take place. Whether it's the thief on the cross, whether it's Abraham going from known to the unknown that Pastor Rob led us in. And then last week we talked about family transitions. And today we're going to be really talking about transition for leaders and followers. We all need to experience transition and changes that happen. When I've been thinking about this, I wanted to see the people in my own life that I have followed all along. And of course, I start with the people I followed early in life, my mother and father. Angela, my mom, and my dad, Jim, James, and those are people who I learned to follow. You could be also imagine your own followers you started with. Then also followed my, we had one sister, she was the oldest, she was like the sergeant in the, in the, in the family, command and control, and then of course five brothers when you have that. But those were people who were learning to lead and to follow. Then you go into school, and I remember being in school, our local teachers, but what Americans brought to us in West Africa was what we had, the Peace Corps. You know, some of you are too young to remember that. Uh, to know about that, but there were Peace Corps who came over to teach. I can always remember my math, my English, my science Peace Corps teachers. Those were people who were following even in the academics. And then the community that our parents were involved in. There are many areas that we were involved in the community to learn how to bring changes and things like that. So all of us have people we desire to follow. For some of you, it will be your political party and choices. You follow this one and that changes. You follow that in different circles, but there's always a following. And everyone that follows has a place in life that that could turn around that you could be a leader, that you start to lead and to walk along people. And I can see many of those along in my life, you know, just becoming a Christian. And those early days, you know, the, the missionaries, Bill Roberts and so many other people who are just people who I was learning to lead. And this 20 some years here at Northland, I have seen leaders that I had to follow. Coming here under the leadership of Dr. Joe Hunter, as a senior pastor for many years, learned to follow and to lead. And Pastor Orlando Rivera, you know, he was one of my, my first boss here. You know, you learn to, to follow those leaders. And many lay people, you know, some of you are here in the congregation, Nick is here, Wusu is somewhere in the crowd here, Tom and Sam and Jim. Many people lead me in different, different areas that I have to trust. So everywhere we see in the church, whether it is in the family, whether it's in the community, there's always a place of learning to follow and learning to lead. But what are the transitions that takes place in our lives if we're learning to follow and to lead? We're going to look at two examples in scripture today. And Moses was a leader and had people following. And later on, Joshua was a leader who followed Moses. And Joshua also had people following him. So going through this, I have anchored most of my study, you know, going into Deuteronomy, you know, where Moses was delivering this speech to the next generation of people that he has been leading. I said, it's now coming up to 40 years. This is what I have to tell you as your leader, but also the followers to hear. So we look at Moses, we look at Joshua, and each one of them having people to follow. And for us at Northland here, what do we learn today in this season of the church, in this next season that we've seen people led, and you and I today, 
we have been faced with a challenge to continue to follow and to continue to lead. So Moses and Joshua, we formed the basis for that and then we draw out some principles we can learn from that. I'm going to be starting to read in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. If you are able, you can stand. I will read that scripture and we'll pray and we dive into that. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy those nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Ammonite, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you will do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Father, may the hearing of your word now come with the understanding of your Holy Spirit to teach us and to lead us. And may we go from here, Father, becoming more of what you've called us to be and to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. As we've been learning from Pastor Josh, uh, every one of these messages, whether it's transition of leaders and followers, there's always a main point. So I bring up the main point that we'll be looking at as we look at Moses and, and, and Joshua and to see what, is, what does that mean for us. And the main point is this, that God prepares, equips, and provides for leaders to lead. God prepares, equips, and provides for followers to follow. So every one of us, God has preparing us in areas we are leading or in areas we are following, but it is God who will equip and he will be the one who will provide for leaders and followers. So we're going to look at, at Moses, then we'll look at Joshua and draw some lessons from that. So let's start off by looking at Joshua as the one that God had called to lead. So we, we, we come Moses, we come to see Moses as the first one that God is calling. Right from the book of Exodus, we see that God prepared and called him. God prepared and called Moses to lead the people. We see the situation that was surrounded around his birth, his family. It was an amazing preparation that God took his sister and his mother and put them in the palace of the king of Egypt to be able to raise a leader. So in that palace, God was preparing him in a privileged position where he would seize the opportunity to be a leader. Right out of that preparation, it was very clear to Moses that, yes, God has something special to me, in, for me to do. But Moses had to have, the second thing we see that, he experienced wilderness life. 
What led Moses as a leader and now he's experiencing wilderness life? Well, what he did was he wanted to do things his own way. He was going to take charge himself. So right there in Egypt, he committed murder. He killed an Egyptian. And he was about to kill the next one where he had to run away and he fled. And you see that that was where he was now in the wilderness, place the thing he's separated, he's away from God, but right in that wilderness, God confirmed his calling to Moses. God established him to know that my hand is upon you, that I will be the one that we will lead you. And so in the wilderness experience, away from everything, how did God confirm? We see in Exodus chapter 6, God made it very clear to Moses that I am the one that I've called you. In a place where you will know that you've done all the wrong things, but I will never leave you nor forsake you. Moses experienced God's, God in the wilderness. God said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I will make myself fully known to them. So the, the leader that God was calling, God made it clear to him in the wilderness that my hand is upon you because of my name. Not because of who you are as, as Moses, but because I am the one sending you to the house of Pharaoh. I am sending you to a very difficult place to go there and know that you are the leader. So when a leader experiences God and you look to him as the one you are focusing on, he will lead us. Because every leader needs to look to the captain that is before him and to lead him. So that wilderness experience, seeing the, the, the bush burning but it's not caught in flames, was a confirmation that Moses get on and be able to face that. And Moses, even later on, they, they wrote about him that he desired to leave everything in the palace of Pharaoh to be called to lead his people. So prepared and called, experienced wilderness life. The, second, the third thing we see is he was challenged by God. And this is the challenge. The challenge that he faced was, you go lead my people. Do the impossible things. But as he was facing that challenge, it was not only him leading the people, but the challenge he faced was where the people who were following him. So leaders can lead, but followers can be a challenge. And right there, Moses realized the people were opposing it, the people were rebelling against him, the people were questioning his leadership. But God who called him, helped him to face the challenge that God gave him and the challenge that the people faced him. And sometimes those challenges are deep. You know, Moses is the leader, and people are faithfully following. A million people following Moses, and some of them chose not to be faithful followers. Some of them chose to rebel. You can read in Numbers chapter 16 where we read about what they call Korah's Rebellion. You know, just a group of people decided, wow, we're going to be a breakaway force. We will just oppose Moses. God will be the one that will always answer opposition. That's a scary story in Numbers six, uh, chapter 16 and 17, Korah's Rebellion. The Bible says the ground opened and over 200 people just disappeared like that. Because God was saying, I've given you a leader. Follow faithfully. So Moses faced the challenge by God to go into Pharaoh and see God provide and do miracles, amazing things. But also to see people following him, but others opposing him. So challenged by God and challenged by people. Next we see that changed by obedience and disobedience. What changed Moses that he really 
continue to obey God faithfully. Well, to go to Pharaoh and say, I'm going to take these people and take them into the wilderness to worship God, that was a challenge that changed him to be able to say, let's go. We're going to go. And what that did for Moses was that as he faithfully obeyed God, he changed his own obedience. He fell more in love with God because God was the one who was leading him and the people that were following and he also see that what changed his obedience was that he saw God provide. Leading a million people and you come to the Red Sea and they are complaining and they're going to drown. And so they come to the Red Sea and Moses had to see God, you got to change this situation. The waters were parted and Moses walked right through the Red Sea. That changed his reliance, his faithfulness that God can provide, that God can can, can protect. And so that was one of the things that showed him great obedience, that changed his life and the people that were, he was bringing along with him. And God saw throughout that time that God was providing manna by day that we have food, enough food and water, but also at night God was bringing the pillar of cloud. That we change your obedience to follow God. Do we as a church have experienced these moments in our life that changes our obedience, that I can continue to trust God. I see that for Northland, that God is changing us for the next step he has for this church. Moses also saw that the thing that changed his obedience was to be able to know that even when they were in that wilderness, they, they, they lack nothing. But as our human nature is as leaders and followers, we come to the place where disobedience can, can get us up. And so Moses is leading these people. Once they would complain about food and water and all of these things, and that led Moses to come to the place where it was disobedience in his own life. How did you disobey? Sometime you read um, Numbers chapter 20. That is one of the sad chapters in the, in the, in the book. Moses' disobedience to God was very clear. The people are complaining, and there's no water, and God said, here's this rock. Speak to the rock. Instead of Moses speaking to the rock, he hit the rock. And that was disobedience. You know, the rod became his God. He was more depending on what he can do for himself. And that disobedience disqualified him into entering the promised land. But God's hand was upon him. God knew that I have called this people. How do we know that even when he was disobedient, God in his love and forgiveness, he wanted to let Moses know that the time comes from one leader to end, to finish, to discontinue for another leader. And so Moses was faithful in the transition. We read in Numbers chapter 27 where you can see what was Moses' faithfulness in the transition. This is the encounter Moses as a leader had with God. In Numbers 27, Moses said to God, May the Lord, the God who gives bread to all living things, appoint someone over this community, the Israelites, to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So Moses is faithful in this transition, that he's going to stop leading. His time is over, but another leader is going to take it. And this is what God says. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the spirit of, of leadership and lay hands on him, having stand before Eleazar the priest. 
and the entire assembly. Commission him, give him authority. Moses was faithful in the transition. Moses was faithful to come to God and say, there is an ending with my era. My time of leadership is ending. It's over. But also God says, I will continue. And so that's the transformation in the transition that take, took place with Moses. He left another leader in place. There was an ending for a new beginning. Northland over the years, we've gone through all of these leadership. There are time, the time comes when a leadership has to end. It has to stop. It has to discontinue. Whereas, but God has a prize for us, a, a work to be done that he will give us a new leader. Sometimes you have to mourn the leadership. Moses was going to die. And these people, you read that he went up there in Deuteronomy 34, that he knew that I have to be done with this. The past, but the mission didn't change. Because we read in Hebrews chapter 6, we read in Hebrews chapter 6, that there was one better than Moses, and that was Jesus Christ himself, the faithful and the true one, the one who has given us the call to his church, not a person, not a place, not a time, but Jesus Christ is the one that is the giving us the mission. He was greater than Moses. And so Moses passed on the baton of, of leadership to Joshua. So let us look at Joshua as the next leader that God had brought into leadership. And when you see Joshua, we're also going to see that he was prepared and called. So Moses was the leader that Joshua followed. And now we see how is Joshua going to be a leader. In Exodus chapter 17, they have to, to fight the Amalekites, the enemies. And Joshua is the one that is praying, seeking God. And what we read that people are holding up his hands and there was Joshua in the battlefront destroying the enemies, that that was a preparation that you're going to be the one who will take the people in the land. It's going to be a battle. Start doing that as a leader. So he was prepared and called. He was humble. This was a guy who was humble that he spent time with God. He experienced wilderness life. So Joshua, how did he experience wilderness life? Well, because he was always spending time with Moses, he saw how Moses encountered God. He saw the moments that God will speak to Moses. The Bible even says that Moses, we have conversation with God face to face. And Joshua, the follower, the leader, experienced that. He experienced the communion. Oh, leaders, may we be known for, our, for the presence of God in our lives. May other leaders see us that I'm closer to God than not just my posture and position. But it is a wilderness experience where the power of God is revealed. But he not only experienced those good times in the wilderness experience, but he also, Joshua also as a leader, he experienced people who were ready to challenge him. Well, now he saw Moses go through the Red Sea. Now, what's his wilderness experience? He was faced with the Jordan River right in front of him. Here's the Jordan River. How am I going to cross with these people? What is the experience I'm going to have? But God was present with Joshua in his wilderness experience. He plowed to the Jordan River. They took the Ark of the Covenant, the step in the water, it parted, and they went right through it. Imagine. And he built memorials for people to remember. When your children ask you, you will remember that God was the one who we experienced in the wilderness. 
but he also experienced the difficult times. There are people who did not want to get into battle with, uh, with Joshua. And he experienced that difficulty of leading people who were opposed. If you read through the book of Joshua, you will see that he, well, he had this encounter. You know, they're going around the city of, of Ai, and they couldn't uh, have victory there. But God's presence in that wilderness experience. How was he challenged? He was challenged just like Moses had been challenged. Joshua was challenged to be able to get victory. The challenge with God was there were impossible things. I just said about the, the wall of Jericho. Those were impossible things that uh, Joshua is not going to be able. But because he will be changed by showing obedience, they march around the wall of Jericho and they see the wall came tumbling down. And that change is obedience. When you see God walk in miraculous ways and provisions and miracles, it changes your obedience. It changes you not to be able to doubt him. But as humans, Joshua also had a disobedience. You know, some of the people in the land they, they were going to take were people who were their enemies. The Bible calls them in Joshua chapter 9, the Gibeonites. They came and compromised, deception, and Joshua allowed them to live among them. That was a disobedience that changed his own walk with the Lord and says, don't just compromise, follow God together. So we see his call, his challenge, his change as a leader and followers that were going with him through this land. He's fighting the battle. He's destroying the enemies. He's distributing the land. He's occupying the land. And he's faithful in his transition. How was um, Joshua faithful in transition? He completed the mission. In Joshua chapter 23, Joshua gets up and tells the people, I've distributed the land to everyone. This is everything that God, we now possess, we now occupy the land. And that's a leader whose followers came along with them. And everyone had their places. You know, you hear about the cities of refuge. And he himself has his own possession. He didn't take the easy land. He took the one that was difficult. The land that was where the, 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 the Anakites, the other giants, the land of iron. But he possessed that land. He was faithful in transition to complete. When you are faithful in transition, you want to be fruitful to bring transformation. Joshua brought transformation to his people. You read in Joshua chapter 24. He called all the people together and he challenged them. Choose who you're going to serve. And people say, oh yeah, we'll serve God. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Choose for yourself who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God fully? Faithfully, And so in chapter 23 and 24, gave a speech like uh, Moses had given in Deuteronomy. Joshua chapter 24. He calls the people and said, choose this day whom you may serve. The God of your forefathers in Egypt or the God you've experienced. Transformation came and the people said, we will serve the Lord. Oh, Northland Church, may we be the church that we've experienced transitions and changes, but we will faithfully be transformed by serving the Lord. That would be our prayer. And Joshua completed the work that God gave him. But you know, there was a, a Joshua that was coming. Jesus, our Savior, the Redeemer, the Joshua that brought deliverance. He is the one, whether it's a Moses who looked to a greater Jesus, whether it is Joshua who had the same name as Jesus, it's only Jesus that will bring changes and transformation in leaders and followers. Northland, 
We're standing at a great time in the history of God's church, right here from Central Florida, how we can be a church of leaders and followers. God has built many of you as leaders, many of you as followers, all of us as leaders and followers. But what will it take in this next season, the next 50 years or more, for Northland to be able to be the church that is faithfully leading and following? Let me suggest the following things that we can look at to help us to be able to be a Joshua or a Moses in following. Number one, follow God's word. Let us be the believers that we will take this book of the Lord, like Joshua was told, that it will not depart from us. Let the word of God be the presence and before us. Love God's word, study God's word, live by God's word. That be our standard for everything we judge and look at. It is the word of God. That will be the power for transformation. Desire God's presence. How we desire God's presence is the Holy Spirit to bring renewal into our lives all the time. We can read the word, but it's only the spirit that will start to bring the change. Just like Moses, we experienced that in the wilderness. Joshua, we experienced that. Let the Holy Spirit take God's word and renew my heart. Deep love for God day by day. That when I come to a service, I study in a group. Transformation is taking place because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you live and abide in the Holy Spirit, changes take place. Powers are seen. Provisions are given. And you can rely on that. That's the only thing that I kept my wife and my children and son-in-laws and all of you friends going, abiding in the Holy Spirit. And next we see that. What is it that we give us as a church, our call to action here is the third one, walk in humility. It is not about what I want for the church, not my personal preferences, but what God wants for his church. Walking in humility means die to self. You know, we have to die to ourselves, that this is not my kingdom, this is not my church, but it is me humbly coming to God and saying, what do you want to do in my life? that those transformation will continue to walk in my life, dying to self, and living in obedience. You know, grow in obedience. I can just see Joshua, Moses, Northland today. We grow in our obedience. And that's why when we talk about bringing people to maturity in crisis, that every difficulty, every challenge I face gets me more to love Jesus. When you sit in a doctor's office and you hear bad news, you don't just get, you know, I had that moment and said, God, what the heck is this? No, but I quickly have to grow in my obedience and God, I receive this to you. That is clear obedience, changing and maturing in Christ. Faithful in serving. My service is not centered about what I like. Will the church do this for me? Will the church do that for my group? Growing in the services that God has given each one of us tools your hands, your heart, your time, your talent, your treasure. Use those to serve others. Be others service-centered. Whether it's in serve day or whether it's weekday or weekend, be available that what God has given to you is going to change lives, is going to change the kingdom of God. And also fight in with unity. Let the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2 says, have this mind of Christ as you serve others. Because our unity does not mean conformity. We are just same old, same old, no. But the unity is that Christ is the center and he will unify our teaching, our preaching, our service, our community. And that's the unity you have to fight for. Moses, Joshua, 
They have to get the people to focus on God. And that is what brings the unity that changes our church. Fight for it. They have to set themselves apart and say, we want to be people who are set apart, loving God, and obey him. Holiness means be separated from sin. We live in a world, there are many things that can contaminate our minds, our actions. There are things that are grabbing for your attention, whether it's your children, in, in, in grade school, in middle school, in high school. There's so many things going out there. But the church needs to be standing in holiness and righteousness. Fight for life. Fight for life. And the things the world will say, oh, this is not supposed to happen and you cannot overturn this or that. You fight for the holiness of God that there's life. God is the one that gives life. We fight for that holiness for him. That's the way we finish the mission. Jesus Christ has given his mission. God gave us a mandate right from the beginning on Genesis. Let's possess the land. Let's possess the wall. What will it look like in this next season of Northland if all of us as leaders and followers, we are going to be on mission with King Jesus? Now, I don't know where you are, but in, in my own journey at this season at Northland, exciting, challenging, bringing changes and, and obedience and disobedience. But this is a season that this church in Central Florida is going to stand for the gospel, is going to stand for the good news that we will break forth like Joshua and Moses, they will break for the barriers, will build walls, and will build bridges because this gospel of the kingdom shall be preaching all the world, and then the end will come. And we'll be bringing everybody to be fully alive in Christ that because they are maturing and, and bringing transition. So church, that's the tax before us. Like Moses clearly said to Joshua, you're the one that is called. God has given us a new leader. God wants something to end God wants us to be in the land between, in the neutral zone, but God has a new beginning. We rejoin the new beginning that God has for us. Let's just pause for a moment and private and personally, just talk to God that I want to be part of this new beginning. What is my ending? What is going to discontinue? And what is my new beginning? Will you pray with me? Father, in the silence of these moments, your people call upon you. Father, what do we have to die to? What needs to end? What needs to begin? King Jesus, this is all about you. And so King Jesus, I pray a prayer of consecration I pray prayer of dedication. I pray prayer of commitment that we will be in a season that you are doing something new in my heart, in the hearts of my brothers and sisters, our community in person and online. So here we are, King Jesus. May we just exalt you even as we continue to sing these songs that is about King Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.